In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit will get me. Through the grace of God, we will study chapter 4 from the first letter of St. John. This, this chapter starts with a warning. St. John is warning us not to believe every spirit, not to believe everyone who claims that he is led by the spirit, but to test him, to test him, in order to know whether he is a false teacher, false prophet, or a true teacher and a true prophet. Then he exalted them, or exalting us, to manifest and show brotherly love toward one another. And he said, if you are the children of God, and if we are born from God, then we should have this love in our heart. Because love is the evidence that we are born of God. And uh, usually children look like their parents. In the same way, we need to keep the character and the example of God's love if we are his children. And he explained to us how the Lord God the Father demonstrated his love for us by offering his only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, as our sacrifice, our Savior, our propitiation. This is actually the summary of the chapter, and now we'll start uh, reading it verse by verse. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have come out into the world. Actually, the last chapter ended by the Holy Spirit. If you look at the last verse in the last chapter, chapter 3, now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. So he's, he's saying, or concluding chapter 3 by saying, if we keep the commandment of God, then we abide in God, and God abides in us. And how would we know that God is abiding in us? Through the Spirit. How through the Spirit? Because the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. So when I speak, I speak the words of truth. The Spirit is the Spirit of love. So I will bear in my heart the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. So we will know that He abides in us because we have His Spirit in us. And because we have His Spirit in us, so we can tell from the truth, from the fruit of love, that we are abiding in Him. That's why St. John wants us to have discernment. 
to be able to discern between the false prophet and the false prophets and teachers as the true teacher. That's why he said, there are people out there are moved by other spirits, not the Holy Spirit, not the Spirit of Christ. That's why you need to test the spirit that moves the teacher and see whether this spirit is the Spirit of God or not. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, do not believe every teacher, do not believe everybody telling you, I am moved by the Holy Spirit. But test the spirit whether they are of God. Why? Because many false teachers, many false prophets have come out into the world. And until today, many people preach in the name of Christ, but they are not preaching the message of truth. How we test the spirit? Verse 2 will tell us how to test. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. So, he is saying here a very important. If you believe in the incarnation of the Son of God, God came in the flesh and God became man. Any spirit who confesses this, then that's the spirit of God. And I don't need to emphasize the word in the flesh. In the flesh. Because one of the heresies was that Christ had come, but come as a spirit, not in the flesh. Eutychus said that his humanity was totally absorbed and consumed by the divinity. So he did not have real flesh, real human being. That's why we say Jesus Christ is perfect divine and also perfect human. And these two natures are united together without confusion, without alteration, and without thinking. And it's clear during the time of John, some prophets, false prophets, said he did not come in the flesh. Yes, he came by his divinity, but not in the flesh. That's why St. John is emphasizing. Any spirit who says that Jesus came in the flesh, God came in the flesh, that is the spirit of God. Verse 3. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. He said, if Christ is denied, if his divinity is denied, if his real humanity is denied, then this is not the spirit of God, which always speaks truth. The spirit of God always speaks truth. But if, if any spirit denies the divinity of Christ, this is the spirit of the entire Christ. There is Antichrist with capital A. Antichrist with capital A, this is the one who will come 
before the second coming of Christ. But there are antichrist with a small e. Any spirit antagonizing the truth, antagonizing Christ, is antichrist, is antichrist. That's why he said, you heard his coming and is now already in the world. The spirit that attacks Christ is already in the world. And we can see it right now. Many people are against Christ and against his divinity and against Christianity. Like here in America, atheism is the spirit of Antichrist. It's against Christianity. It's very clear. Materialism is against uh, Christ. Verse 4. You are of God little children and have overcome them. But he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now he is telling us, by the way, giving the word little children because at the time St. John was almost 90 years old. So he speaks the believers, all of them are his little children. So he's saying, my little children, you are of God. You are born of God. You are children of God. You have the Holy Spirit abiding in you. And you have overcome them. So don't claim that this victory is because of you. It's not because of you. It's because of God who is in you. Because God who is in you is greater than the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of devil who is in the world. So here he is saying to us, don't brag if you have victory. Don't boast. Because this victory is not from you. This victory is from God who is in you. But also this verse gives us hope that yes, we are victorious in Christ. Yes, we can overcome the false teachers as the spirit of Antichrist. As the seeds has overcome these false prophets because they were overcome. Take about the time of persecution. How the Christian killed so, so many Christians. But at the end what happened? The Christian and his kingdom and his empire vanished but Christianity still alive. This is victory. This is victory in itself. So our God who is in us is great. And the spirit who is in us is mightier than any other spirit in the world. The evil spirit of Satan. The evil spirit that is the false prophet. That's why don't be afraid of them. Don't be anxious. Don't let fear come to your heart. God within us give us victory. Verse 5. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world given. The false teachers have the spirit of the world, the evil spirit of the world. They are not of God, from God. That's why their language is like the language of the world. They will win here on earth. They may have the world here on earth. But we don't have K 
kick it on the other side. Our kingdom is in heaven. That's why they speak the language of the world, and the world hears them, because they are of the same spirit. But we are the children of God, and who hears us only those who have the spirit of God. So don't be troubled if you see the world does not love you, or accept you, or listen to you. You are not of the world. The Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospel of John told us, if you are in, of the world, the world will love you. But you are not of the world. That's why the world hates you. But the world loves the false prophets because they have the same spirit. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world. And the world hears them. Verse 6, but we are of God. He who knows God hears us. Only the children of God hears us. He, he who is not of God does not hear us. And by this we know the spirit of the truth and the spirit of error. We speak God's message and only those who know God will accept our message because this is the message of God. So, St. John, by some principles, that he gave us in verse 2, 3, 4, and 5. He is telling us how to discern and distinguish between the spirit of truth, which is the Holy Spirit, and the spirit of error, which is the evil spirit that is in the world. Then, from verse 7, St. John is teaching us that through love, we can know God. To know God through love. Know God through love. Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Actually, this is another thing that helps you to distinguish between the spirit of error and the spirit of truth. The spirit of error does not know love because love is of God. So any religion or any group don't know how to love. They know only how to kill. This is not the spirit of God. It is the spirit of evil, of the devil. But the spirit of God is the spirit of love. The fruit of the spirit is love. That's why he's saying, if you are the children of God, you need to have this love inside your heart. And let us love one another. For love is of God. And if one is a children, then our heart should be full of love. And everyone who loves is born of God. And the opposite is true. Everyone who hates is not born of God, from God. But everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So, in other words, he's saying, he who is born of God must love, because Father is love, God is love. And love shows that we are of God and we know Him. If you have this love in your heart, I can say, you are from the family of God, that is, from His children. And you, you know God. Verse 8, he who does not love, 
does not know that for God's love. If you don't have this love in our hearts, then you don't know that. Don't know means you are not in a relationship with God. Because if you are in a relationship with God, then you must love. You must have this love in your heart. Because God is love and He is the source of love in our heart. If God abides in your heart, then your heart will be full of love. Verse 1. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that He might live through Him. Now, He is saying something very important. Love should be demonstrated in action. You cannot say, yes, I, I have the love of God, or I love my brethren. How God demonstrated His love to us? He sent His only begotten Son. To do what? To die. That's sacrificial love. That's unconditional love. That's the end of His love. And, by the way, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent. The word has sent implies what? That Jesus already existed before he was sent in the world. Right? Because he is the hypostasis of the Son, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. So the Lord Jesus Christ, as the Son of God, existed from very, very beginning. Right? But in the fullness of time, the Father has sent him. And by sending him, sending him to us, that's how he demonstrated his love to us. And sent him to us to do what? In order to be propitiation for our sins. Propitiation. To cover us by his blood. So we are redeemed. In order for what? In order for us to live. So he died in order to give us life. So the Son existed before he was sent in the world. And he became, when he came to the world, when he came to the world, he became our life, our propitiation, and also our savior. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we may live through him. We may live through him. In him is love. He died to abolish the power of death and to grant us life. This is the grand proof of God's love, that he sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. Verse 10. And this is love. Not that we love the God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. In verse 9, he spoke about the sacrificial love. Love in action. He said his son. Now in verse 7 he spoke about the unconditionality of love. God did not wait until we love him. No. And this is love. Not that we love God, but he has loved us. Unconditionally. While we are sinners. Don't wait until the other person approaches you in order to express your love to him. 
Actually, you need to show this love for everybody, even for the enemies. That's the true love that's what Christianity is about. Not that we love the God, but He loved us. Loved us limitlessly. That's why He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So Jesus Christ is our life, who redeemed our life because we are the descendants of death. And this love in itself is a great motive for us to love one another. When we remember how God loved us, this will motivate us to love one another. Not that we love the God, none of us is worthy of this love. And of worthy to be loved by God. Also, God is worthy, definitely. It's, it's mean and right to love Him, to praise Him, to worship Him. But none of us is worthy of this love. But in spite of this, He did not wait until we express our love to Him. He loved us and He sent His Son. Not only sent His Son, but offered Him on the cross to be a propitiation for our sins propitiation to cover us with his blood, to offer him as a sin offering and as a Christ offering on the cross to redeem us. Verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If you understand and if you accept this love, then it will be expected that you love your brethren. You love your enemies. Because if the love that is abiding in you, then we should love one another. So we can say that God's love toward us is the greatest motive for our love for one another. But when he said, if God so loved us, if here, what does it mean? If he loved us, but there's a possibility that he did not, Love us? No, that's not true. If here doesn't mean, no. If this happened, could be, no, it doesn't mean this. But if means here, as we all admit as a fact, what we know as a fact. So, if you admit this fact, then you need to do this. If you believe that Jesus loved you and died on the cross, then we also as being born of God, Resembling our Father who is love, then we should love one another. And as we appreciate the love of God toward us, and we love Him, but also we need to love His brethren, because He's the bread, is our brethren, he, they are the children of God. And it does not make any sense to God, the Father, without loving His children. So if you love, you love God, the Father, you must love his children too. They are his children. The, the children of the same God who love you, they are the representative of the unseen God. So by loving these children, you actually say to God, you love him too. So we know God through love, and also we see God through love, because he is unseen. But we can see him with our internal eyes when we love one another. Verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, 
God abides in us and His love has been perfected in us. He's saying God is invisible to our mortal eyes. Do you want to see God? Love your brethren. If you love your brethren, then you will feel His presence in us. And you will see Him with your internal eye. Because when we love one another, He will do it in us. He promised, if two or three gathered in my name, I'll be among them. So when we love one another, He will be among us, and we can see Him, not with our mortal eyes, but with our internal eye. Love is made only complete by loving each other. So if you love, if you say that you love God, but you don't love your brethren, your love is not complete. It's not perfect. That's why he said, and his love has been perfected in us, has been completed in us. How? When we love the brethren. You cannot say you love God and you hate your brother. This is not the perfect love. It is, this love is incomplete unless his love for us is supplemented by brotherly love, our love for one another. Verse 15. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. Do you want to know whether God's abiding you or not? If he's abiding in you, then you have his spirit. And if you have his spirit, then you will bear the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of love. So in a way he's saying, if you don't have this love, then God is not abiding in you. How do you, how do you want to know? Do you want to examine yourself to know whether God is abiding in you or not? Ask yourself, do you love others or not? If you do not love others, very, very sad. God is not abiding in you. If you don't have absence of love, in the absence of God, for God is love. So this love in us is the proof that God abides in us. We know that God dwells in us by the fruit of the Spirit given us, and the first fruit is love. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Uh, verse 14. And we have seen, we, said, uh, John making here, an apostolic statement, apostolic confession. We have seen and testified as the apostles, the twelve apostles, that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. So now he's giving an apostolic testimony. Yes, not all of you have seen God in the flesh, but I am among those who have seen him is a flesh. And I'm testifying as an apostle that yes, God sent his son as savior of the world. So why is making this testimony? To tell us that yes, God loves us and sent his son to die, to be propitiation, to be savior, then we should love one another. So the confession of Jesus Christ in world and in life, when we confess that Jesus Christ came by our words and also by our life, how about our life, when we love one another. This actually is proof of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit 
sinners. Verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God that abides in him and he in God. If you confess that Jesus uh, is the Son of God, this man who died on the cross, if you confess that this man who died on the cross is God, and that did this because he loves us, then the Holy Spirit abides in you and you are abiding in God. Verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. We have known and believed the love that God has for us means this love which demonstrated in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we know it and we believe it. We believe that Jesus is God who died. So this love then became like our confession. God loves us. This is the foundation of Christianity. We know and have believed the love of God toward us because we confess the incarnation and the coming of his son into the world. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So, he's saying, if we love God, and if we love the brethren, then actually this love will bind us together and will bind us to God. God is love, and he who abides in love, if you love your brethren, then this means you are abiding in God, and God is abiding in you. So I can say love binds us to God. So, this love is not only a practice, but also is a faith, a confession, a prayer. Because if you believe that God became man and died on the cross, then you believe that God loved us. That's a confession. And this faith, this belief, will actually dictate your behavior, motivate you to love the brethren. Verse 17. That's the peak, the consummation of it. What is the peak? It's judgment day. If you have this love in your heart, you'll not be fearful. You'll have boldness, you'll have confidence. That's what he said, he's telling us here in verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. All the commandments, all the Bible can be summarized in one word, love. Love. The Ten Commandments, they summarize it in two commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So in the judgment day, if you have this love, then you actually similar to God. Because as He is, He is love, so also we are, we are love. So in the judgment day, we don't be afraid. We'll have boldness. We'll have confidence. We'll not be afraid of judgment day. And here he used the word perfect, as I told you, what makes the love of God incomplete in us if we do not love the brethren. But 
Love is infiltrated among us when we love the brethren and when we love God. Then we will have all of this in the day of judgment. Well, as he is, he is loved, so are we in this world. We live our life here in this world in a loving way. So when love is perfected in us, we will have no fear in the judgment day. And those who love God supremely and love the brethren will not be terrified at his presence. And this is a ground of boldness. We have boldness and confidence based on what? That we are as Christ. He is love, we are love. And through this love, we are purified and we make sinless. We are filled with love like him, so in the judgment day, we will appear in his likeness. And this transformation, to be transformed into his image, into his likeness, begins when, when we are baptized. Because after baptism, we receive the spirit of God. Then we can bear the, the fruit of the spirit, which is love. So this transformation is started here on earth by baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit and bearing the fruit of the spirit. Verse 18. There is no fear in love. In the judgment, they will not be afraid. They will not be fearful. There is no fear in love. But perfect love, again, what's perfect love? Loving God and loving the brethren. This is perfect love. Cast out fear. Will not be afraid of the judgment day. Because fear involves torment. If you are afraid, you are tormenting yourself. Think about if you are afraid of something. Afraid of uh, terrorism, afraid of example. Anything afraid of financial problem. This will make you uneasy from within. It will be uncomfortable. It's like torment. It will torture you from within. So, if you have this perfect love, then you will be free of this fear which torment the, the people who do not have this perfect love. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. If you have this fear in your heart, when you remember the judgment day, if you have this fear in your heart, then, then there is something missing in your love. Your love is not perfect yet. But here, maybe somebody will ask a question. How we say, grant us to complete this holy day and all the days of our life in your fear? And we read about the fear of God. How uh, St. John is saying here, love casts out fear. We need to differentiate between the fear of God, which is reverential fear, which means to respect Him, to revere Him, and the fear is eternal, to be terrified. To be terrified. Definitely, we need to respect God and to revere Him, but we are not terrified of Him. So, the fear of God, to revere and respect Him, actually, uh, this will help us to love God, and then this love will, will, will be uh, the, the, the foundation of our relationship with God. One time Sir Andrew the Great said to his disciples, My disciples, I do not fear God. So they got astonished. He told them, I do not fear God because I love him. And love casts out fear. Love casts out fear. Perfect love is incomplete with 
uh, when birth clock is incomplete, when birth clock is incomplete, then we'll have this self-punishing fear. The fear that torments me. The fear that fills me with uneasiness. The fear that fills me with worry, anxiety, uh, terror, etc. Uh, verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. So, our love is reaction to his love. So, the love of God the Father toward us, his wonderful love, actually fills every redeemed soul. And because we experience his love toward us, actually this creates in us love toward one another, and this love casts out fear from our heart. Verse 20, if someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? So no one can claim to love God while hates his brother. If anybody makes this claim, he's a liar. If you cannot see your brother whom you see, if you cannot love your brother whom you can see, how can you claim that you love God whom you, you cannot see? We cannot love the unseen God when we hate the brother who is in God's image, who is the children of God. We cannot love the unseen God when we hate the brethren who are in God's image. Verse 21. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. It is God's will that he who loves the Father should love the brethren. Cannot love the Father. Any, any parent among you accept that you love him and you hate his son? Nobody will accept this. In the same way, God will not accept that you love him and you hate his children. That's why this is a commandment. If you love God, you must love the brethren. This is God's will. If we, want, if we love him, we should love his children too. We should love everyone purely, regardless of his opinion, his worship, his faith, his religion, his race, his... No. We need to love everybody, even our enemies. For he is the child. His creation of God, he bears the image of God. This concludes the chapter in which actually St. John emphasizes to us the importance of loving one another. And if we love one another, we will know God, we will see God, we will abide in Him, and then in the last day, the day of judgment, we will have boldness, confidence, and without fear, without terror in the last day. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.